what it is, what's poppin'. It's your neighborhood nice guy, KDOT, and welcome to Keeping the 9450 Colin WBB. First things first, I want to wish thoughts and prayers to my co-host, Daniel Artest, who is out on health and safety protocol, so we wish him very well. But I have a special guest and a surprise for you guys today, and it's the incomparable the GOAT herself, Miss Cindy Brunson. Cindy, how are you doing today? Ooh, Kevin, or should I say Kata, my bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I cannot believe that you gave me that introduction. I'm just your simple, ordinary Phoenix Mercury play-by-play person, happy to fill in while our guy is down in health and safety protocols. So happy to get the call and very humbled to be helping out. Absolutely. And we definitely thank you for, you know, being on with us today. And I'm excited um, because we're going to be talking WNB and you know how we do it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Before we get started, I want to wish everybody a happy Pride Month. Here's to love is love and celebrating unconditionally and unapologetically. Yay, everybody. And also, it's been more than three months since our dear friend and world-renowned Hooper, Brittany Griner, has been wrongfully detained in Russia. Let's get her home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... You can get involved as well. There is a petition. Please sign the petition. We are BG.org. And we definitely would like to see her home sooner rather than later. Please help support the cause. So, Cindy, Mm -hmm. to jump right into it. Let's talk about just the WNBA season as a whole right now and Let's just um, talk about our thoughts and what we expected, what we didn't expect, and things like that. So what are your thoughts on the season so far? I think it's been interesting because we still haven't seen anybody really fully formed except for a couple of teams, maybe the Aces and the Mystics. And of course, those two teams also have the best record in the league right now. Everybody else is still working through injuries and working through getting people on their rosters that have been playing overseas and whatnot. So we haven't seen the best of what every team in the WNBA can bring yet. So I think that's intriguing and it'll be interesting to see now that we've played, you know, about 10 games, we're about a third of the way through the season, almost where things will shake out once everybody indoctrinates their entire rosters and get healthy and get acclimated. How teams like the Dallas Wings or the Connecticut Sun will adjust with an injury, how they will perform going down the road. Minnesota Lynx, all of a sudden, now that they've figured it out, very intriguing. So I I think the possibilities for what could shake out in the month of June in particular will dictate who we'll see in the playoffs come on. I totally agree with that. And I, I want to add on other teams like the Atlanta Dream, teams that are mm-hmm. like surprising yet 
we had a feeling with new culture, with the new coaches, with the new front offices, how um, they were going to fare and, and shake coming into the season. But I've been really impressed with teams like the Atlanta Dream. I've been impressed with also the resurgence of the Minnesota Lynx after struggling. And we know why they were struggling. They were trying to get a lot of their players back acclimated from overseas and then injuries. And of course, with Nafisha Collier, by the way, congratulations to Nafisha Collier and a Alex on their uh, newborn. She, of course, gets back acclimated because I know she says she wanted to come back this season. Listen, being a parent and being a husband, I can't empathize, but I, I do understand the mental aspect of having a child with my wife and, and how she had to come back from that. So I just pray for wealth and health for both mommy and baby. And mm -hmm. hopefully dad could be a, a great support. Yes. <laughs> for sure. I do want to just transition a little bit um, more in particular with the Phoenix because yes. with, of course, um, with the unfortunate loss uh, last night versus the uh, Sky, a great uh, game, by the way, two finals, Matt, it was a finals rematch, of course. And we did see uh, with the Sky prevailing 73-70, the Mercury, of course, did not give up after the Diana Taurasi ejection. I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on how you felt the game went and everything that transpired throughout that game. And then let's just go into kind of the season so far as they are struggling. I think that was their sixth straight loss on last night. So let's just dig into that a little bit. Okay. Just hit me where it hurts the most. That's how we'll start. I'm sorry. Playing. That's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it's, I feel <laughs> it's tough. No, I've been waiting to get this job. I've been waiting years. I've been a very dedicated season ticket holder since we moved out to Arizona in 2013 and have just been so patient and finally get the gig this is uh losing that we haven't seen out of the phoenix mercury in a decade their last losing streak this long was at the end of the 2012 season and of course we all remember what happened in 2013 hello number one overall big britney grider that said this team is not like that team because this team has endured injuries and health and safety protocols that have set them back to not have Shea Petty and Sophie Cunningham for a couple of games. That was easy to go up. Oh, those are a couple of losses because those guys are such integral parts of what happens in Vanessa Nygaard's system. Diana Taurasi getting ejected for the eighth time in her career, maybe not helpful, but Big picture, maybe it was because nobody was waiting around for DT to save the day. They had to figure it out. The stars had to produce in Skylar Diggett-Smith and Tina Charles, and they did. And the bench had to produce. The bench came through with 10 huge third quarter points, and that has to continue for the Mercury to have success. So while it looks bleak, I think there are positives to take away. And as the Mercury come back to Phoenix and get ready to face the Connecticut Sun on Friday, they'll face a Sun team that will have faced the Aces twice in the span of a week and just the night before the two teams meet on Friday night. So I think it's a great opportunity for the Mercury to put the brakes on the six-game slide and get back into the wing column. 
And, and, and I totally agree with that. And I want to just shed some some focus a little bit on the two new acquisitions that came in this year in Diamond DeShield and Tina Charles. Mm-hmm. And of course, when you have two, first off, let's talk about Tina Charles, who is one of the most premier dynamic low post scorers that we've seen in this league, of course. And then, of course, you have Diamond DeShields coming off that championship uh, last year. And also revealing the tumor that she had in her spine that had to be removed and had to endure so much um, physical and mental recovery from that, learning how to do, learn how to be mobile again. Mm-hmm. Give us your thoughts on those two acquisitions and how um, as the season come, moves along and when they get more acclimated to what Vanessa Nygaard is um, trying to produce from a system standpoint, how they, how those two will be a very integral part in trying to get back to the uh, WNBA finals. Great question. First of all, Diamond to Shields has hit the ground running uh, after what she endured that you so eloquently described. It's incredible that she's even playing basketball, let alone playing at an elite level. Ever since she put on a Phoenix uniform, she's averaging double figures. That is nothing to shake a stick at. She has been fantastic. And Tina Charles finally reminded us how she was the league's leading scorer last year in her efforts and energy against the sky. All the Mercury have to do is run their offense through Tina Charles and let Skylar Diggins-Smith and Diamond to Shields be there to cherry pick on the sides. Because to have success in this league, you look at what the Aces are doing. Everything runs through Asia Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have your snipers in Jack Young and Kelsey Plum. Same thing can be in play for the Mercury with ease. Run through Tina Charles and let the Shields and Skylar Diggins Smith snipe from the outside. So it's there. The framework is there. Now it's all about execution for the Mercury. Yes, I definitely agree. And what you talked about regarding Skylar Diggins-Smith, I want to shed a little bit more light because from a basketball standpoint, I always look at it, of course, from the lens of a point guard. I was a point guard and always look at things um, just a little bit more holistically. So when you're talking about running offense through Tina Charles, where we're not just mm-hmm. necessarily talking about back to the basket, her drawing a double team and her just looking for outside shooters. It's a little bit deeper than that for me because with Scholar Diggins Smith, she has kind of learned the art of literally being a point guard after having so much responsibility from a scoring standpoint throughout her career, she's finally under, mm-hmm. she has that understanding. Um, and then of course, having Chris Paul in, in Phoenix um, definitely helps as well, because she's also talked about that in um, her Phoenix broadcast, where she's able to gauge and pick her spots from a playmaking and then a scoring standpoint. So using her and Tina in a pick and roll setting or a picking pop setting where she's getting into the paint. 
I always talk about paint touches because every time you get into the paint, you allow the defense to collapse. And that will give you also great opportunity for open shots for Sophie Cunningham and even a Tina Charles who can shoot the three and then a Diamond Shields um, as well out on the wing. And I want to see what Scholar is able to do from that standpoint as well versus like just all predicating that defense or predicating that offense with Tina Charles at the mid post or on the block and then having to draw those double teams for just outside shots because what Vanessa Nygaard is is able to do with that particular offense it's almost like a pick your poison setting are you going to just leave Mm -hmm. your defenders out on the three-point lines and try to protect the three-point shooting or are you going to have to try to probe and use different defenses like maybe a zone or something like that like it's going to be so difficult and I feel like that's all predicated on what Skylar Diggins Smith is able to do at the point guard on position I completely agree and that's why Phoenix was so debilitated with Skylar missing those two games like she did she is 12th in the league in scoring and both she and the shields can create off the bounce Mm -hmm. which makes them doubly lethal So I I just, I think there's so much upside for Phoenix. If everybody can just stay upright and involved in the game, (laughs) I really do think that Phoenix can turn things around. And I definitely agree. And hopefully there is a turnaround from that situation in in Phoenix. Because again, we've seen the ups and downs last season and ultimately they were in the finals and mm-hmm. it's a, a similar pattern just is not i wouldn't say it's identical but it's something similar and hopefully again as you said they get out of this funk and move forward with their season and hopefully it's a successful one and i would say unlike last season though k dot there's no rim protector being right. there and you have to assimilate new styles of play and just become new teammates with somebody. Diana has only played with Tina Charles on the national team. And Skylar Diggins-Smith has only played with Tina Charles on the national team. And Diamond Shields hasn't played with anybody before she got here. So it's all about getting those stars to align as they learn a new system and they get comfortable with one another. Absolutely. And we will go ahead and transition to a team that is arguably the talk of the town, of course. They recently mm-hmm. just had a game versus the Connecticut Sun, and that is the Las Vegas Aces. And more in particular, the players who have stepped up to help lead, along with Asia Wilson, who is an MVP and, in my opinion, a Defensive Player of the Year candidate this year, and that's Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum. I am going to allow you to talk about how incredible Kelsey Plum has been, and then I will catch the alley from Kelsey Plum <laughs> and the, uh, Jackie Young and tell and just talk about how amazing she has been. So what are your thoughts about the Aces, more importantly, Kelsey Plum? I think Becky Hammond has just demonstrated that she has an elite basketball mind because when she hit town, she immediately put Kelsey Plum in the starting lineup. That was just the best move possible. And Plum is delivered. I tell you what, I had a chance to just have a quick chat with KP before a Mercury game. And she is 
so locked in and hungry. It's palpable. It's like coming out of her pores, which makes her exceedingly dangerous because all she has done in the last three years in particular has been pissed off by Lambeer. He made her hungry because he didn't start her after she led the NCAA in scoring coming out of college. Hello. Right. And then she got her body right. She looked at Sue Bird's longevity and said, yo, Sue, who's your trainer? What are you eating? How are you doing it? So she has leaned out and is a physical specimen, got better on the defensive end, all while keeping everything that makes KP elite on point. The three-point shooting is there. And her assists, hello, she has dished out as many assists as Courtney Vandersloot this season. She's wow. only averaging, yeah, yeah, 59 apiece. She's only averaging a little less because the Aces have played more games than this guy. So that's where KP is at. So when I have an MVP thought in my head, I totally pivot to Plum. What she has done for the Aces, opening up the offense. You want to talk about Jackie Young just doubling numbers that she put up last season. It's because KP is running the show. And she is looking for her shot. If not her shot, then she's looking to facilitate at an elite level. I will alley. And now it is time for you to oop, K-Dot. Absolutely. And I want to say this first and foremost, keeping it 9450 codenamed WBB has always predicated ourselves on talking about the players that you may not really here in the mainstream so when mm -hmm. we talked about our breakthrough players in our episode i think it was about two episodes ago maybe three we talked about jackie young in her presence last year and how she was going to make a bigger impact this year and my goodness she has delivered she's making us look like jedis out there making us look like yoda <laughs> out there from the presence of her coming out of the WNBL out of Australia and finishing third in MVP voting out there. It's almost like she's transitioning over all of that success into the WNBA season this year. And she's arguably one of the top three players to be considered for MVP. And this is something mm -hmm. that is just simply amazing. And one thing that I think that's improved in her game is her half-court playmaking and scoring ability. Now, prior to 3x3 and, and everything, I think that she was just trying to find her mold, find her way in a, a particular system that Bill Lambeer was trying to implement. And maybe that didn't necessarily work out for her. And you saw it last year where when Bill Lambeer was able to open up the offense a little bit and not be so um, heavy on back to the basket, I, I just believe that it was something that, that kind of held her back a little bit. But now this year with Coach Becky Hammond, it's like everything has opened up. 
And I think that with that being said, Jackie Young has just been simply incredible offensively and defensively. She understands her spots on the floor now. I, I always call it court geography and court geometry, where she's understanding mm. certain places on the floor. She can pick her spots and have certain angles to the basket where she's scoring, uh, whether it's attacking the rim or whether it's shooting the basketball. She's doing an amazing job. And Kelsey Plum, you are absolutely right is also helping with that geometry and geography on the floor as well. So she can give her necessary passes to make her successful. And I think that Jackie Young is just having an amazing season. And if she stays consistent with this, she's definitely going to be the one of the finalists for MVP. Okay, so we love guards, right? KP is tearing it up. She's been fantastic. Jackie Young, as you mentioned, so stout. But here's the deal when it comes to MVP. Guards just don't win. I'm Cynthia Cooper won. Cynthia <laughs> Cooper won the first two. Diana Taurasi stuck in there and won in 09. And that's it. That's the list of guards that have won MVP. It is a forward, a four, five, three, four, five dominated award in the WNBA. It'll be interesting to see if it shifts like the NBA has. Steph Curry has won back to back MVPs. For the Warriors. So I'm very curious to see. And it's going to be those two right now leading a crop. And I would also sneak in the name Natasha Cloud. Because she is just percentage points behind Sloot when it comes to assists in the league. Cloud sits number two. And her three-point shooting has elevated to a level that is a career high for her. So she is facilitating. She's scoring more. And she's still doing all the little dog defensive things and rebounding the basketball that she's always done for the Mystics. And she is playing with a joy and abandon that is so fun to see. So as the Mystics continue to rack up wins, Cloud is going to be a big part of that. And it'll be interesting to see what that MVP vote looks like at season's end with those three names playing very prominently. Yeah, I totally agree. And we got about five minutes left. Okay. So I do want to Ooh. shift over to the rookie class and we can't. Ooh, you know, hello, Ryan. <laughs> Miss Howard. Go without talking about Ryan Howard for a little while. So let's go ahead. Let, what are your thoughts about Ryan Howard and then extending out to the rest of the rookie class? I've been very impressed with Howard and all of the rookies that have made rosters, because look, we're not a league of 144, it's 132. So if you make that roster and like for the fever, get prominent playing time, like Penny is, I mean, Destiny's been fantastic. So I think they're absolutely demonstrating that they belong and then they can produce. But now they're not a secret and everybody's got tape. So these next 10, 12 games, I want to see how the production goes. Will it maintain? Will it drop off? Because now that teams have figured out Howard a little bit, her scoring numbers have come back to what I think will be her average for the season, which is still top 15 in the league. It's nothing to shake a stick at, but it's not number one. It's not number two. It's not number 10. So uh, that's what I'm curious to see, how the rookies adjust now. Yes, I, I definitely agree. And I just want to talk about this other rookie as well, and that's Destiny Henderson and the, Ooh, the whole dynamic, right? 
the whole dynamic of the coaching change and what Carlos Knox has been able to do so far as interim head coach. And I, I just, I, I always loved Henny's game. I, I felt she did, um, in my opinion, she did get, she didn't get a fair shake um, in the draft, but she's making mm-hmm. um, people realize, listen, I'm her. Ooh, can I just tell you the word on the street was there was a voice in the room in the Aces draft room that mm. wanted Henderson and got voted down. Mm. Imagine what that team would look like with any on board. Oh my goodness. Oh my right? goodness. <laughs> Woo. I, you know what? I'm going to leave. We're going to, we're going to table this and we're going to have another conversation, another extended conversation about, about Henny as the season moves along, because we're definitely going to, I'm asking you right now, if, if you can be on (laughs) multiple times a season, because this conversation, goodness, I don't even want this to end, but oh, unfortunately we have to end it. All right. I can be back. I, I'm, I paid my internet bill. I am going to tell you, of course, and on behalf of DA, it has been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you. And we're definitely going to have some more. I do want everybody to know where you are and give, give your handles and everything, if you don't mind, because you're definitely a follow. You have to be followed. If you want, shout out all of your social media handles and I will definitely follow suit and we'll go from there. Sounds good. I'm at Cindy Brunson, A-Z, C-I-N-D-Y, B-R-U-N-S-O-N, A-Z, and both Insta and Twitter. Perfect. And of course, don't forget to follow Keeping It 9450, codename WBB, on Twitter and Instagram. That is at Keeping It 9450 WBB on both Twitter and Instagram. And once again, I have been your host, Kevin K. Lewis. And on behalf of DA, we want to say thank you. I want to give a special shout out to our special guest, Cindy Brunson, for your time and your grace. I truly appreciate it. And we're definitely going to have you on more than once this season. So be prepared. So I'm, I'm sorry. We love you that much because, of course, Woo! we consider you the GOAT. You're, we, we consider you the GOAT. So, hey, oh, speaking oh, of I'm goats, gonna, I'm gonna I, I want to, I want to, <laughs> oh, okay. Speaking of goats, I want to throw this topic out for the next time I'm on. Let's just throw some flowers toward Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird. The length of their careers is so impressive, but how they have transformed their games to still be so lethal at this juncture is what separates them. They have evolved. As the league has gotten better, so have they. And that's what makes them so impressive. Say less. We got you, Cindy. (laughs) We got you. (laughs) With that being said, we're signing off. Everyone, love is love. Peace.